brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. This is your guest host today, Eli Kim. Uh, the the fingers behind Cavs the tweets, um, and I'm here joined by Chris Francis. Well, uh, what an exciting game today! You know, it's the summer league, and I think if you're on Cavs Twitter, you every summer league game is a referendum on the outlook of these young players' careers at this point. So it was <laughs> it was great to see that Evan Mobley kind of had a uh, I mean, he didn't even have a bad game the first game, but he did definitely play a lot better tonight, even though the shooting wasn't great. But in case you uh, did not know, the Cavaliers did win tonight, beating the Orlando Magic, led by Jalen Suggs. Um, Evan Mobley had 14 points on 5 of 15 shooting. Um, the Cavaliers were led in scoring by Isaac Okoro with 15 points. And it was, you know, honestly, a very entertaining game. There was a very good sequence of Mobley during the second quarter. And, uh, you know, just saw a lot of a lot of good three-point shooting from the Cavs from guys who probably won't make the team. But still an, <laughs> still an entertaining game. And uh, I don't know, Chris, what, what do you think of the game? How do you think Evan Mobley played after his uh, first debut? Well, uh, he was great. Um you know, uh, uh, he impacted the game in a variety of ways. Uh, the offense was a complete, I mean, there, there couldn't have been a bigger difference. It was night and day on the offensive end uh, for Mobley and just the Cavs in general. Um, I mean, they nearly went 50-40-90 on the night and uh, put up 94 points in a 40-minute game. So the offense was absolutely on fire. Um, guys were getting good shots. Guys were being aggressive. Mobley was being aggressive. 
Um, the big change that I saw, at least offensively for Mobley, is they didn't uh, dump it down to him in the post, except for the first play of the game, which was a flash post anyway. I mean, it wasn't even a real post up. It was a cut post. Um, and uh, they had Mobley playing where he was comfortable on the perimeter. And uh, it was like night and day. I mean, it was just like... Uh, the light bulb went out for uh, the light bulb went on for him. So um, they put him in spots where he was a lot more comfortable and he delivered. So uh, couldn't be happier. I mean, you were hit the nail on the head. It was an entertaining as hell game and they got the dub and it was a comfortable dub. I mean, the game wasn't really much in doubt. I mean, the third quarter they came out, um, they came out on fire in the third quarter and just kind of put the game away there. And just wrote it out, wrote out the clock in the fourth quarter, and uh, yeah, hell of a game. Uh, really happy with Mobley, and uh, Mobley's passing came alive with six assists, only two turnovers. Um, I think he led the team in assists. Yes, he did. Uh, so he led the team uh, six out of twenty assists for the team, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, you you were able to watch the game this time, right? Yeah, I was able to catch most of it um, okay, live. Cool. cool. Um, I think it's it's interesting that um, Mobley had more assists than Jalen Suggs, but Jalen Suggs did have more rebounds than Evan Mobley. <laughs> so uh, I guess you know we can keep the that debate alive because apparently there's this sector of Cavs fans who really wanted Jalen Suggs on his team. So really, yeah, I, it's it was interesting. I I didn't I saw it like around the time of the draft, but especially after that first summer league game, there was a lot of chirping about, oh, we should have just taken Jalen Suggs because he looked at that game he had in the summer league. And I don't know. I think it, I think all these games are kind of hard because guys like Suggs, you know, they're they're touching the ball a lot so they can score a lot more points. But on the flip side, the guys they pass to aren't going to be making a lot of shots. So their assist totals are probably lesser than what they mm-hmm. could be in the league. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, um, a guy like Mobley, you're a big man. You probably need more setup. And the guys setting you up are what? Okoro, who's not a true point at all. Mm-hmm. Guys who are probably not even going to make the G League roster. And, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of good options to help set you up. So I really like how Mobley took it on himself to lead the team playmaking. He definitely made some really nice passes um, and, you know, found – Okoro on a really nice couple of cuts for an an and one that I remember distinctly on a dunk and oh yeah play that, of the that might passing, have been play of the game yep yeah the passing and the vision was just great I guess if there is a knock on Mobley um, obviously this is going to be beaten to dead horse his size is going to be a constant battle until he gains some weight but I think his rebounding might be an area of concern um, in his first season I'm not sure if he can get a lot of rebound defensive rebounds. Um, he did have three offensive rebounds, which is encouraging, but for some reason, I just don't think he's, uh, he's an active, uh, box out, you know, boxing out in that and boxing out his man. And I think that it would be good in a sense that if he's paired with Jared Allen, Jared Allen is a good, pretty good defensive rebounder. So I think that there's a synergy there to cover a weakness, but, you know, second game in a row where I thought Mobley played a lot and he watched a lot of rebounds go through his teammates' hands, even ones that he probably could have gotten. So just yeah. something to, to you know, 
come with the negative and the positive, of course, here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you 100%. Um, the rebounding was a struggle for him. Uh, it was improved, uh, thankfully, from game one, but uh, we, I, I think we'd like to see more on in that regard. And it'll be something to definitely watch. There was concern coming out of college about him being able to rebound. I, I agree with you. There's a maybe a little bit of dog missing out of him, uh, you know, that, that, that desire and want to and that, that just bulldoggedness to uh, grab him. And uh, but it, it did improve. And uh, hopefully, you know, that improves with age, like you said, with with the body maturing. Uh, him getting more confident, more comfortable, because um, there's no reason why he shouldn't average double digit, you know, or near double digit rebounds in the NBA at his his length. And also, I mean, with his with the ability of him to handle the ball and pass the ball, I mean, those are those are tr- those are opportunities for him to just rip it and run, you know, and be a one man fast break. I think it's in him. I think he has the skills and ability. Uh, to, you know, get the rebound and push it himself up the court. And those are opportunities that he's missing out on if he doesn't, if he doesn't crash the boards. So, um, uh, agree with you hundred percent there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess to further go along, I think the Cavs, you know, ironically, they're still not shooting a lot of threes, but today they did make a decent amount. They shot, I think 13 less threes than the magic. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, oh. they only shot they only shot twenty four threes versus the Magic's thirty seven. So, <laughs> um, but it did feel like they were shooting a lot more than uh, normal Cavs, the regular season Cavs. So I was like, <laughs> these guys are shooting them more. But you know, um, I say this game was a little fluky because you had guys like Blewett and um, Matt Matt Ryan, hey. not to be confused with uh, <laughs> and and the former NFL MVP Matt Ryan, but. Those guys both made four threes each. Um, I think Matt Ryan average had more points than minutes in tonight's contest. <laughs> so um, obviously those are a little fluky in the summer league context, but in the same breath, it was good to see those guys um, get the open looks in the corner, get the easy, easiest three point shots they could get. And, you know, if there was a player that really kind of stood out to me today, um, not named Mobley or, you know, Okoro or Stevens, I really thought Jalen Hands had a really good game today. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the best plus minus tonight. He's you know he's intriguing because he was a very highly touted recruit that didn't really put it all together in college. Oh really? So, mm-hmm. okay. so kind of seeing that raw athleticism and um, at least athleticism. I don't think he has the greatest feel for the game either, to be honest. But thought he had a pretty good game and was a pretty good distributor and kept the ball moving tonight. Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100% there. Um he he flashed a little bit in the first game. I I I'd say in the first game the the thing I'd say about him is he wasn't a disaster, you know, he, he was just getting his feet wet, looked semi-competent and you could see him really settle in tonight. He looked pretty damn good. Uh the only nitpick I had is he missed he missed Mobley on one roll, but I mean that that was literally the only play that I saw him miss. Um, had he dealt the ball, uh, took care of the ball decently well. And, um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, hands was, a uh, kind of nice, um, blew it. It was nice to see his shot go down. He's known as a shooter. 
Um, it was nice to see him also get a steal as well. Um, I I don't get why Chandler Vondren didn't, or I hope that's his name, Chandler Vondren. Uh, I don't get why he doesn't see the court a little bit more, especially based off the first game performance. He was pretty good the first game, and he was good again here tonight. Um, you know, made his only shot, had three rebounds, two assists, and one block, one turnover, plus eight in eight minutes. Uh, I like what I see from him. Um, I know he's an older guy. He's probably, I'm not sure what's left in the tank as far as development, but it looks like he can handle the rock. He's a team player. Um, he's willing to share the ball, do the little things. Uh, the, the score that he had was mighty nice. He, he ripped and run, ran down the court, finished with a nice spin move, the, the patented Siakam spin move. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, uh, there was an interesting little comment from Chris Fedor tonight, um, in his recap article that, uh, he believes, uh, and it seems to be the case. I don't know if it'll actually pan out that this might be a last game. Uh, was tonight so maybe some guys uh, are being left on the tank uh, left in the tank uh, for the future here uh, for the rest of summer league um, so uh, I'm not sure if Vaudrin might be a guy that they're trying to save to see a little bit more later as uh, I would assume Okoro and maybe Stevens and maybe even Mobley um, might get shut down I don't know what the plan is I haven't heard anything about a plan other than Okoro getting shut down uh, so, uh, but I want to see more of Audrin. Uh, I think, uh, he's got a bit of game and I just want to see if there's something there. So, uh, really like him. He's had an impressive two games so far. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but much like Isaac Coro taking a break press from the summer league, we're actually going to take our first break here. Um, well, so just tune in. We got an advertisement. Hopefully it's not in French this time around. <laughs> But um, we're going to run an ad and we'll come back to you and keep talking about this uh, 94, 80, 94 to 84 victory over the Orlando Magic. Welcome back to the Cavs podcast. Uh, we're just going to pick up on talking more about today's victory over the Orlando Magic. You know, I thought Okoro had an okay game. I'm a little discouraged in a way, although he was very efficient. He only had 15 points. I think in his core DNA, he is a true more D and three kind of guy. Um, so it's good to see him kind of dribble more, but I don't, you know, he had three assists tonight, which is definitely him working on his playmaking game. But I gotta be honest with you. I'm not sure that uh, for the NBA team, I want a to be, you know, that secondary playmaker. I really think he's still probably best suited as a, a really tertiary playmaker. But um, it's definitely something, you know, this is a time to experiment in. Unfortunately, it does sound like Okoro's summer league may be cut uh, a bit short, much like a lot of the second-year players that you typically only play two games. So it'd be, it'd be interesting. I think he definitely showed that he didn't belong. He was definitely a man amongst boys, even though he's probably younger than a lot of the players in both these games. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. What's what's your take on Okoro? No, I, I see where you're going uh, with that. Yeah, I think the point Okoro experiment um, is a little bit of a mixed bag. I think, I think what he's really showed is that he can be a scoring type of guard. 
Um, I think I think the scoring is there, um, and a little bit of a play, and he makes the necessary plays. But I don't really see the actual, you know, directing traffic, creating opportunities, giving, creating easy shots for other guys. I think he makes the plays that are there, but I think um, he's more. He, I think he's more effective when he's actually just trying to score. Um, he did have three turnovers on the night on those three assists, so not a great assist to turnover ratio. Uh, I'm not sure what it was with Houston. I'll check real quick here. Um, yeah, two assists. So yeah, for the for summer league, he's had five assists, six turnovers. So I'm not sure if point of coro is actually a thing as I had hoped, you know, from the end of last season. I do think the scoring acumen is there. I think he's flashed a lot of good scoring uh, from him uh, with him on ball. So I think, you know, scoring guard, you know, two guard um, is there. Uh, and, uh, you know, secondary tertiary playmaking is probably good. Um, a, a good role for him. Uh, I like him focused on scoring, though. I mean, he's he's finishing at the rim. Uh Really hasn't flashed too much of the three ball. He was two for six last game, zero for one this game. Although it kind of wasn't necessary for him this game with other guys being hot. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I'm glad they tried it out. They had to find out because um, you know given the way last season went with nobody besides uh, Garland and a little bit of the the, the splash of Delhi. Uh, really showed any playmaking chops. So, and he was, he was probably the guy that you wanted to find out if he could do it. And so he's got a little bit of it, but I'm not sure if point of Coro is actually a thing. I'm glad they tried it. And, uh, uh, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're figuring it out. And, um, and he, his finishing was absolutely amazing. I mean, wow. Uh, left hand, right hand, Attacking the rim, he he can really put pressure on the rim. So really impressed with that uh, over the summer. Yeah, actually, um, I th- I kind of agree. I think he's better scorer, um, but I also think he's actually shown a lot of improvement off the ball on offense. He was cutting to the rim mm-hmm. really hard, and you know, like you said, the play of the game might have been that cut cut where he got the pass from. Mobley on the strong side, and I was just like, wow, like he literally just out hustled out physical his man to get to that spot and get the dunk. So um, I think Okoro can be um, a good, you know, off ball score. I mean, he's not going to ever, I don't think he'll ever average like 20 points a game, but if he can get to 12, 13, 14 points and be efficient and play good defense, like he has been, you know, he, he definitely could be like the, the wing glue guy for any team especially for a team that does like defense and size. So mm-hmm. I definitely um, liked his game tonight. Um, I definitely like Lamar Stevens' game tonight. I thought he played a, a little bit better than the first game. Um, I thought Roger Thomas had a good uh, rebound game, although I'll be honest, I'm not, I think he might, he might be on the, uh, the roster bubble after these kind of two performances that haven't been great. And, um, Kevin Gelly, man, he uh, he he's he's quite a character. I mean, he does he only shoots when he's wide open. He took three threes, missed them all, but he's a hustler, man. He rebounds. He 
showed a little playmaking with his two assists tonight, but was a foul machine. Probably would have played more if he wasn't in foul trouble all night. Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up. One thing that I did see um, with respect to Kevin Gilliam Mobley uh, and the rotations that were uh, made was that in the substitution patterns that were made, a lot of Mobley at the five, a lot of Mobley at the five, a lot of staggered uh, lineups with Mobley and Kevin Gelly. Um, I So that was interesting. So, uh, and and also I had to have to say that Mobley probably most effective offensively when he was at the five. So that was an interesting little thing that I picked up on uh, in tonight's game is there was uh, tons of staggering there. And I, I would actually venture to guess given the, given the, um, the advanced metrics from last game that there was probably a lot of staggering in the first game too. So it's interesting that, um, they're really, they're really, uh, trying to, well, they're really working Mobley at the five, uh, honestly to, you know, that seems to be a, a thing here in summer league in the early going. So I don't know if that continues. Um, and I don't know what's in store for the, for the regular season, but, uh, Mobley at the five was definitely a thing at least tonight. So. No, I agree. And I think, you know, honestly, I think Stevens, I think he's better as kind of the four um, where he's like a small, you know, smaller four that can do a little bit of everything. You do wish he could shoot a little bit more. I kind of wanted to see him let it fly from deep a little bit more, but he, you know, had to play a lot more four, I think, earlier because of the foul trouble to Kevin Gelly than I would have anticipated. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I like his game. And I, I do kind of want to go back to hands. So I was, I, I did recall correctly. He was a five-star recruit. He played with DeAndre. Eaton. He's actually from the San Diego area, kind of oh, like Mobley is from too. Wait, did he play at uh, uh, Arizona? No. So he had an offer there, but he actually ended up going to UCLA. Oh, with, okay. Okay. He played with Aaron Holiday. You said, and you uh, said he was a five-star recruit, huh? Mm-hmm. He oh, was a five-star nice. recruit, wow. second-round pick. Um, for to the Brooklyn Nets in like the like the late late second round like fifty I think fifty eighth overall. Okay. Um, do you think he's you know a good athlete? He has pretty good size for a point guard, mm-hmm. pretty long. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye out for maybe that last two way spot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe instead of the Cavs going for the veteran route, maybe they go with hands as more of a developmental uh, third point guard prospects. So mm-hmm. just a guy to keep an eye out on. And, um, you know, in terms of improvement, the the bench in this game definitely improved from the first game. <laughs> um, I felt like in the first summer league game, the bench couldn't score at all. And in this game, there was what? Uh, Two guys in double figures, almost yeah, three. Yeah, almost three. So was that? Yeah. there's 34, yep. 33 points off the bench tonight, which is pretty – Yep. Pretty nice. Yep. Um, Six guys in double figures. So, yep. um, and I would, and, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Broderick Thomas. Uh, he was awful the first game. Uh, I mean, granted, the box score numbers weren't exactly, I mean, he rebounded last game, got two stocks, but he couldn't shoot, uh, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn game one, and his, uh, his uh, net rating was something like minus 40. So it was awful. Um, he really bounced back. He, he kind of started off rough this game, 
uh, tonight and uh, really kind of bounced back in that in that second half. So kudos to him for staying competitive, keeping his head in the game because uh, he really finished off the game nicely after kind of a, another shaky start. So, um, but uh, I would agree with you. It's kind of a he's kind of uh, playing for his job uh, or kind of playing for his uh, uh, Cavs career um, in the summer league. And he's got guys nipping at his heels a little bit. I'd say guys like uh, uh, Vaudrin, Blewett, Hands, you know, even Ryan maybe, I don't know. You know, uh, there's guys nipping at his heels. He's got some competition. So uh, uh, looking forward to him to see him keep competing keep improving. I'm not sure uh, if point Roderick was a thing or should have been a thing. <laughs> yeah, I think he's one of those guys that he was probably the best player on his team, so he played a lot of point in college, right. but he Absolutely. should not be doing that. Yes. Uh, he should be focusing on 3 and D. Yep. Um, I think just based on the minutes that have been distributed so far, uh, if Okoro isn't to play, I would assume that Blewett will probably get the nod, um, and then probably, uh, you know, after tonight's game, I think Ryan will probably get a little bit more run, and I think Hands will get a lot more run. So, yeah, I would have actually said Hands is probably the guy um, that's replacing Okoro as the point. I would hope, anyway. Yeah, that's that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. Um, but you know, I did want to kind of just pivot a little bit to just keep talking about summer league. I think the summer league has been one of the most entertaining and that, that definitely has to go to these, this rookie class. Mm-hmm. This rookie class has not only been exciting and they've met or even exceeded the expectations, but these matchups just have been so great. I mean, uh, you know, the Rockets and Cavs played, so that's a core or a, not a core, uh, Mobley and Green. And then you already had the Cade versus Green last night. Mm-hmm. And then tonight you had Suggs and Orlando against the Cavs. And then you also have um, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kuminga against Scotty Barnes in Toronto happened right now as we're speaking. So just a lot of fun matchups of top players selected in the draft that really leads to some good storylines. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, the ones that stick out of my mind immediately, besides the obvious ones in uh, Green and Shingoon uh, in Houston, is uh, um, Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I should have mentioned them in our last pod uh, of drafts that I liked, uh, teams that drafted well. Man, uh, looked like they uh, hit, uh, looks like they got two hits on there. Um, I mean, you had Sharif Cooper balling. I think he ended up with a 27 points, nine assists in the game winner in his game. Uh, I think uh, Jalen Johnson was hovering around uh, 2010 for the past two, both in both of his games. So uh, uh, absolutely agree. I mean, there is talent all over this draft class, and they are showing out. Kaminga was showing out in the first half just before – uh, recording uh, just before we hopped on recording. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I've been. Uh, it's like you know, it's it's Christmas time for us. Uh, it's Christmas time for basketball nerds and draft nerds, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, it's just been a lot of fun. Last night was good. I think the Green Cunningham matchup 
lived up to the hype. And, you know, for a summer league game, that's a great game to watch in August. So. Yeah. So uh, did you catch any of that game? And what do you make? What, what's the uh, what's the verdict? What did you like? What's the hot take? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think um, Green has been the best rookie so far in the summer league, without a doubt, I think. I think Cunningham, there's definitely flashes that show Cunningham is an elite player, but he's had a lot of turnovers. <laughs> I'm just uh, Some of it is, of course, his teammates on this team obviously aren't great, but Another aspect is maybe he's just you know trying too hard to prove himself against Green, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I do have to agree. I mean, Houston's draft was amazing. I think with uh, Sangoon is just you know he's an 18, 19 year old MVP of the Turkish League, which is pretty you know nothing to make fun of, and he's out there just bringing the old school pivoting and footwork back to the NBA, which is good to see. I do think he shines a little bit more in the setting because these are guys who aren't the best interior post defenders. Um, you know, he's he's been playing big boy professional ball for longer, so he definitely has probably that man's old man strength that eighteen versus a lot of these guys. So you know, I think some of it is a little bit favorable for him in the setting, but um, you know, can't deny for picking him at sixteen that he wasn't a great pickup. Oh man. Oh man, uh, yeah, he, and I think it's it's funny. Uh, I think the way Jalen Green has performed in this summer league has to convince or give a pause and second thought to all these uh, guys coming up in the pipeline to forego college and go straight into the G League. I mean, I think going to the G League uh, for Jalen Green was, I mean, that was a home run decision uh based on what we've seen so far in summer league he's ready for the physicality uh of professional basketball uh in a way that i don't think um necessarily Cade, uh mobley uh suggs you know and so on i mean even look at kaminga kaminga has really showed out in these summer league games um and i think that can partly be attributed to the fact that he faced stiff competition in the G League. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see in the future here uh, in the next uh, few draft classes if we see a movement um, to of top guys saying, hey, let me take that 500K and go to the G League. And, you know, if I can prove myself there, do, do some damage there, you know, it's, it's a, it'll work wonders for your professional development. So. Uh, very interested to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get that with Green, Kuminga playing pretty well. Um, and the Kuminga, the Warriors-Raptors game is over. Kuminga ended up leading the team with 18 points um, with on three of six from deep. So you know, he had a pretty, pretty good game. <laughs> um, Scotty Barnes had 13 and 13 points. And eight rebounds, only one assist, um, and not not good shooting. But he was eight for twelve from the free throw line. So, okay, just so another good, yep. just yeah. a lot of good talent playing in these games. So, um, you know, I did, I do want to talk to your point about the G League. I think that's an interesting route, but I also think the NCAA is somehow by hook or crook is countering with this uh, NIL, like right the. I think the elite college basketball programs are still going to get their guys. And now they could just, I'm pretty sure like a Duke 
or a Chapel Hill or Arizona, those guys can now legally pay pay these guys like half a mil to come just like the G League does. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how that kind of all shakes out. But mm-hmm. we're going to take another break here, take a little pause, and uh, when we get back, we're going to maybe focus or shift our attention to the real Cavaliers and what they're going to look like for the rest of the season, next season. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. So I may have jumped the gun a little bit, just like Mobley's jumper, but we're <laughs> going to we're going to beat Mobley to to a pulp tonight. Um, just really happy with this game tonight. Was just so impressed with this passing tonight, especially considering he's passing to guy half the guys, more than half the guys he's passing to priority, but aren't going to be even be on a G League roster. So, uh, you know, I, I give the floor to you on our point center, perhaps our second or third best playmaker on the team already. Um, which is not a good thing at this juncture in my opinion, <laughs> but could be a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, just love, we'd love to get hear more of your thoughts on our potential point center unicorn, Evan Mobley. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I'm in, and it's not just me. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Nikias Duncan of basketballnews.com uh, who wrote a nice article on Evan Mobley. It's posted in the um, recap from last game. Uh, the link is posted on recap for last game, but I think, and, and maybe we've kind of seen hints of it. I'll let me give credit to JJ outlaw, the summer league head coach uh, for the Cavs um, on the game tonight. There was adjustments, as I said, uh, playing Mobley on the perimeter, a heck of a lot more, let him, letting him handle the ball uh, out in the perimeter, make decisions. I think that was a great adjustment by the Cavs coaching staff uh, against the magic. And I think, what we saw was, I think, Blewett and Matt, uh, Matt Ryan were the uh, beneficiaries of having Mobley play on the perimeter a bit and key offense from that uh, perspective, along with um, along with Okoro and Stevens attacking the rim. So I think we saw the offense kind of click a lot more, especially from three in part because of Mobley's passing on and, and initiating offense in the perimeter. And it wouldn't surprise me to see possibly more point center, you know, uh, uh, Jokic, uh, Jokic, Nikola Jokic, uh, Mobley out there for the rest of summer league, especially if we're seeing guys, as you said, more, if we're seeing more of Matt Ryan, if we're seeing more of Trevon Blewett, uh, which we kind of expect with Okoro and possibly Stevens uh, riding the bench for the rest of summer league. I think there's going to be more opportunities and, and summer league's the time to try it. You know, let's let's see where the limit is on Mobley's game. Let's let's test the limits on Mobley's game and test how far that we can take the passing. Test how far we could take his handles. Um, test how far uh, his perimeter game can go. Uh, especially if we have guys like Ryan and Blewett who are hot right now from three or uh, can show that they're getting hot from three. So. You know, that, that'd be my final uh, end point on the Mobley thing and what I might want to see, you know, from the Cavs and the Cavs coaching staff the rest of the summer here is, you know, let's, let's see Mobley. Let's see, let's see the limits of Mobley, basically, is my battle cry. So, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think I want to see Mobley be more aggressive on the boards. And I really do think that can unlock more of his, this point center thing, too. Mm-hmm. You kind of alluded to it like, he has 
the capability to take a defensive rebound coast to coast. He's going to outrun 80% of the centers in the <laughs> NBA. Like, he's definitely going to outrun like 95% of all the big men that are guarding him in the, in the summer league. You know? We're going to so, see some Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain shit, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really think that he should do that, but it really depends on him getting those rebounds, which Absolutely. is important. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was ironic in the post game today. I don't know if you caught this, but Mobley was saying, you know, like, damn, I just need to put on fifteen pounds of weight or something like something to that extent. Oh, really? And you're just like, you're just like, wow, like, yeah, like you just need to do it. Just like I need to grab those rebounds now. Like you can do that now. <laughs> um, so, look, I, I really like Mobley. I think sometimes I just can't believe someone that talented. The way he moves, just he runs like a gazelle and he just looks like a wing out there when he's running. So I think that he could definitely do way more, especially offensively, which is where he's actually needs more improvement. I think right now than on the defensive end, I think his defensive instincts are really good for someone that young. Mm -hmm. I think he's good at recovering because he's so athletic. And if there is a slight knock to his defense, I actually think it's, one of his biggest strengths was he didn't really foul in college, but he's actually been a foul machine in the summer league, <laughs> uh, which is which is good and bad. You know, he's playing much more aggressively, but he's also maybe being a little too aggressive and not as smart. Um, I think he got called for a foul on a rebound attempt, which where he, where he was just very out of position. So those are the kind of little things that you obviously want to avoid as you get more experience. So yeah, no, that's a great uh, point. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, for the rest of the Summer League, I guess just to kind of wrap up the Summer League aspect of this pod, um, you know, definitely don't think Okoro – this tonight was probably Okoro's last game. I think Stevens maybe play one more. If he doesn't, that's okay too. But I mm-hmm. I really want to see definitely much more point, point center Mobley. I want to see more um, – I want to see more hands. I think that, you know, that five-star recruit is – you know, he was a five-star recruit not that long ago. He has good size. He has good athleticism. I, I just kind of want to see if they can unlock a little bit more of that. Maybe, you know, this is the time to experiment. You know, the only guys that are locks to make the team are Mobley, Okoro, Stevens. Um, you know, I guess Kevin Kelly to one ex- some extent, even though he's a non-guaranteed. So, mm-hmm. you know, just the young guys, you got to just let them experiment and see. And I, I also agree, echo the sentiment that outlaw did a great job of putting Mobley in much better spots. They have definitely let him face up more. Yes. The results weren't as I thought, you know, he didn't, he didn't make as many shots as I would have liked. You know, he still took 15, which is obviously very positive, mm-hmm. but um, you know, they weren't just telling him like, Hey, back it down like they did in the first game. So I think, and the good thing is the Cavs, which is not good for us as fans, was I think they had the longest break between their first and second game. Yes. Uh, because I think the Rockets have already played twice. The Pistons have already played twice. Everyone's already played twice. And yep. some teams even played back-to-backs. Yep. Um, so seeing kind of the Cavs have that long break definitely gave them that extra practice time to get Mobley into his better, more comfortable spots. So yes. definitely really excited to see the rest of the summer league with hands. Um, you know, I kind of want to see if Blewett, if his shooting is, is legit, although he's the Cavs have his problem, man. They, they pick all these guys that are not like, um, not the best sized for what they, what they do. Um, you know, Blewett, I guess he's listed as six, six. So he's, 
he's okay. He's but he's pretty he's pretty old. He's only four years younger than me, which is not a good thing if you're <laughs> playing in the summer league. So, um, yeah, I went back and looked at his G League stats. He's the shooting has always been there. Uh, the question for Blewett uh, has been: Can he be competent on the defensive end? And he showed a little bit. I mean. He obviously, it was a, another world better. I mean, he, he was one of those guys. It was him, uh, Hans, uh, Ryan. Uh, they really um, – I'm not sure if Ryan actually got minutes in the first game. Maybe I, maybe he just had a um, – you know, uh, let's see. Did he get minutes? No, he did not play in the first game. So Ryan really, Ryan really showed me something. Hopefully Ryan shows a little bit more. Uh, but um, hands really showed something nice, and Blewett obviously improved a lot from game one to game two. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. He shot it with confidence tonight. He was on fire tonight from three. He seemed to be a little bit better and more active defensively. So uh, you know, and and he's a savior product. He's a um, he's a uh, he had a lot of success in college at Xavier. Uh, in fact, I, in fact, my high school history teacher, I believe, was his tutor at Xavier University. So, wow, um, yeah, that. yeah. So I have to, I have to give a shout out to to Tim Tim Worst uh, at Xavier. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I he's a not, he's a fine young man. Hopefully, uh, he puts it together and, and can do some damage. So. The G League stats show he can shoot it. Let's let's see him do some defense now. So yeah, be very intrigued to see him going forward for the rest of the summer. Yeah, I agree, and I think actually Blewett is also a Xavier guy. So interesting that both those guys are from Xavier. Obviously, maybe four years apart. So oh oh okay, there you go. <laughs> I did not know. Um, all right, well let's uh you know move along to. Although this is very exciting and definitely the most exciting part of the Cavs organization right now. Let's move along to <laughs> the, the burning question in my Twitter GM heart. Do I think the Cavs are going to make any further moves in this free agency period? <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I still can't believe that Cleveland has not made a single move up, uh, since draft night. It's just it's mind boggling to me that they talk this game about wanting to improve. And, you know, it, it just, it just really dawned on me when everyone's making fun of uh, Jared Allen's quote saying, Hey, you know, like two, three years down the road, I really see us competing for that fifth seed. And <laughs> at this rate, based on the activity level, I think he's right. I don't think that's a, we shouldn't be making fun of that at all. I think that's, that's the timeline of this rebuild. And, um, I got to be honest with you, I'm okay with it. I just kind of wish the organization was more honest with everyone else about it because I know it's tough to start a rebuild without the guy, um, but I, I think Mobley is the, the that guy. So I get it. You, your clock has to kind of reset to when you find that guy and build around him. So Yeah. Yeah, I, you make a great point there about the messaging of the organization. There was this big talk. You know, at the end of uh, at the end of the year press conference with Kobe Altman saying, you know, uh, you know, next year we need to do something. Next year we need to play meaningful games. You know, and so on and so forth. Well, I just feel like you're, those kind of expectations are just completely divorced from the reality of the situation. You know, we have a bottom three in the Eastern Conference roster. Absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. It's, you know, it's it's us, 
Orlando and Detroit, I'm guessing. Uh, I, I'm not sure if there's any other teams. But, I mean, there's a clear bottom three teams, and Cleveland is definitely one of those bottom three teams. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to wish them bad or anything. You know, I want to see them be successful, but uh, it's just completely divorced from reality. If you're saying, you know, we need to, we need to compete for the play in spot. We need to um, bring in tight. We need to bring in supplemental vets to make a push for the playoffs. And it's like, I, I don't know, man, like we're still too far away, you know, and, and you just alluded to it. And that's kind of been the theme for me is, we finally have our guy in Mobley. The clock finally starts now. Now we can start to see a future, you know, with Mobley at the helm. And so, you know, this is still, a, you know, Jared Allen's hit the nail on the head. This is a two, three-year project to get to the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know if they're managing expectations as well as they should be, you know, by saying, oh, you know, we're going to be playing meaningful games and we need to see something. We need to see, you know, we need to see a play in game next year. We need to see this. We need to see that. So I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and, and that's the thing. And you kind of, you, you got it all right there. You know, I a hundred percent agree with you. Their actions belie what their messaging is. You know, they're not, you know, bringing in these supplemental vets that you think might help, you know, uh, they have that, they were, I guess they struck out on for can cork Maz. They struck out on, um, I don't know who else they struck out on, uh, Eli, if you could remind me, uh, Danny green, Oh, Danny green. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So they struck out, uh, they struck out on the shooters that they needed to supplement this roster. So, you know, I think that I think internally, you know, what they are telling themselves is, okay, the clock finally starts now. We've got two or three years with Mobley to get Mobley to the point where he starts becoming a star, you know, so now, now there's a vision for the future, but I think we're still in play for the lottery (laughs) next year. I don't think, you know, we, we kind of said this with Nate uh, in the previous, you know, I think we all are pretty sober minded here and realize this is a, uh, this is a multi-year project, and um, and so uh, you know, hopefully they find somebody to. Uh, hopefully they find some shooting. You know, I, w- I was told by all these experts out here in the internet universe that shooting is so easy to find. So uh, hopefully they find one of these shooters that is supposedly so easy to find and uh, help space the floor for these guys out here. So. Uh, and I don't know if you caught the news from Evan Damerel, or should we hold off? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's take another quick break here. Uh, just one one tidbit. My I think Nate's top veteran choice, James Ennis. Uh, oh yeah, it was it was really quiet on him, but unfortunately, I think there are now r- r- rampant rumors on Twitter going that he is looking to join the Lakers. Oh my! So let's God. see if that. Let's see how <laughs> how much more Nate's little heart can be broken. But with that, <laughs> we're going to take our break here, and you know, continue to talk about the Cavs and maybe some other potential extension news on the horizon. So Ooh. we'll take a break and get back to you. Good teaser. Welcome back to Cavs the podcast. 
you know, it's been a little slow. I think the best best news is definitely Mobley playing like Nikola Jokic in the summer league. But um, <laughs> the B-ball index, which is paywalled, unfortunately, but there were little snippets of the Cavs projections for next year. And there is some good news for Cleveland. Um, Jared Allen is the highest rated Cavalier, Ooh. the 90th percentile. Um, so definitely a good building block. No rookies, I don't think, were in this re- projection because there's not enough uh, stats that uh, pr- translate pretty well for this. But surprisingly, maybe to some, Darius Garland was actually an 80th percentile player, um, you know, top fifth of the, the league. So definitely two really good building blocks per the, per the statistical projection. Uh, but perhaps the biggest news that came out today or since we last potted is Colin Sexton possibly – being back in the extension uh, rumors with Cleveland um, per Evan Damrell of Forbes and Fear the Sword and Locked on the Gavs. He's with everything. <laughs> um, the the rumor is that uh, Colin is now all of a sudden interested in staying with Cleveland, and he's back at the negotiating table to hopefully sign an extension. And I, I am a little curious um, – what your take is on that. My my read of the situation is he he probably did want to leave, but no one wanted to give anything up for him. So this is, you know, his way of trying to make the best of the situation, which I don't blame him for. You know, he the Cavs organization has definitely not been the beacon of communication or transparency transparency with him. So I could set, you know, see that him being frustrated. But for a player who's very polarizing, um, for example, he was ranked under the 50th percentile in that same projection. What's your take on the Colin Sexton extension talks? And would you give Colin Sexton an extension? Well, um, I'll answer the second question first. Would I give Colin Sexton an extension? I actually would be open to giving him an extension, especially if it was a short-term extension with a slight, you know, a, Basically, a short-term team-friendly extension, I think, was the most sensible thing for both sides. Um, the reason why I think that is that it gives the Cavs uh, a flexibility there um, to possibly, you know, have them as a trade chip uh, should he desire to want to go somewhere else or should the opportunity arise to uh, make a move for uh, pieces that um, complement Mobley, Allen, and Garland. Um, but secondly, a, a short-term contract kind of gives him just a little pay, uh, it gives him a pay bump and also the opportunity to get back into free agency at a young age so that in case that there's a, a continued uh, a progression and continued improvement about his game where he can still be um, he can still seek that big payday, you know, in the prime of his career. So, you know, you know, if he were willing to take something like, uh, three, you know, three fifty with the player, you know, with three fifty with the player option, or you know, three forty three forty five three fifty with the player option or team option. I don't know which way it needs to go in that regard. Um, I think it would behoove both sides to do that. You know, he, he gets a pay bump. He gets time to improve his game a little bit more. He gets time 
to, you know, be a, a lead dog uh, on the Cavs and, you know, pump his numbers, continue to work on his game, continue to get the ball, because obviously he's been he's been the number one option here now for, uh, you know, at least two years, two seasons. Um, and, you know, if it was a two year, you know, and if it was a two year with an opt out, you know, if he opts out, you know, say he improves greatly and opts out that third year, well, then he's opting out uh, at his age 24, 25 season. So he's young, young, you know, and able to jump into the free agent market for a big payday. So um, it seems like it would behoove both sides to kind of hash out a deal that's a short-term team-friendly deal um, to give him a little bit of security, to give him a slight increase in pay, and to give him the opportunity to work on his game, uh, boost his game, and, you know, get back out there at prime earning ages. So, um, and I forget your first question. Should, uh, so, um, does a deal get done? I don't know. I doubt it. I don't, it's kind of weird because there was this huge chorus of people, Cavs fans, in, in Cavs Twitterdom and Cavs fandom saying, let it just play out to the restrictive free agency. Let it, you know, let him shop around, let him uh, earn that max contract or whatever. You know, I heard a variety of things, but it was all the same. You know, let's let it play out to restricted free agency. And, you know, I don't know what's exactly changed uh, other than kind of what you alluded to. Uh, maybe he's feeling like, you know, wow, there's nothing out there for me. Maybe we should revisit the Cavs offer and get that pay bump. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's the maybe that's what's going on now. Um, what's your read on the whole situation? What What do you think it? What do you think has prompted this? Uh, you know, this this kind of a uh, this little uh, bit of news that we've gotten here. Yeah, I just think that um, the uh, Colin Sexton's camp was trying to push for him to get paid uh, one way or the other. And at this point, there's no money. No one's going to, you know, want to sign, trade for him and extend him uh, with uncertainty of, you know, the cap sheets next year, right? When you, cause when you sign him to an extension, you get him on the cheap this year, but starting next year, you're paying him a lot. I would actually be open to an extension as well. But the question I ask myself in any extension is, you know, who are the players that you would, pay a similar rate to and everyone in the league is really excited. I think for the Lonzo ball signing with the bulls, which is a four year, $80 million deal. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would, if that was a deal that Colin Sexton were to agree to, I think it would give me a heartache to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I would much rather give that to, I would much rather give that to Lonzo ball. Um, <laughs> So, but I do get Cleveland is not a free agent destination. So that would be the absolute kind of, in my mind, the worst case scenario for me um, that the Cavs would do. I'm hoping that they can come to some agreement because in a weird way, they, they need this guy as their culture, quote unquote, you know, culture center face of the franchise the last two years to, you know, get rewarded for what he's done which, you know, is another debate, I guess, in its of itself. But I think the Cavs have put themselves in this position, and unfortunately they're going to have to pay for it literally 
to kind of remedy it. So do I think he's deserving of a deal that pays him anywhere near $20 million a year? Oh, that's tough. I mean, but there are a lot of play, a lot of NBA teams aren't aren't smart to make bad decisions. So <laughs> um, I think it's possible he gets that or more. But oh. I, if it were my decision, it would not. I would not do that. Man, so do you think a deal gets done? I, I think so. Ooh, I'm really hoping. Really? I, I think they will. I think the Cavs will. Um, before I don't the, think they before the season. Yeah, I really do. I don't. Wow. I don't think the Cavs want to come out of this offseason period with nothing to show for besides Jared Allen. Um, so I do oh. think they might try to stay in the news and show that they reward those who stay and play hard uh, by giving Colin Sexton a deal. Do I think it's the right thing to do? No, but I, I have a gut feeling that. There's just so much smoke about it and so much reporting about it that I really feel like they want to get something done. And in a weird way, I would kind of wish the time, like it's kind of unfortunate because once Kevin Love's number comes off the books, that's like year two of the Colin Sexton extension. So that's like where I have a little bit of trouble because in one regard, like if you're already paying Kevin Love thirty million and you're already over the cap, like it's like whatever, just pay Colin. It's not like the Cavs are signing him on free agency. You're but just stay below the luxury tax, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because the timeline isn't as clean, and you might be, um, you know, there's only one year of overlap of this extension and Kevin Love's last year potentially, or whatever contracts you take back when you trade him or buy them out. That's what makes it a little bit trickier for me. Um, Cause if the timeline was better, I'd be open to giving Colin Sexton like a, like a two plus one, like you suggested at like 20 million. Like I, that's much more easier stomach to me. Right. Because right. of that timeline. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, at this point, what do you think the number is? Do you think, really it's the, think, do you think it's the Lonzo ball? I think it's going to be close to Lonzo Ball. I really do. I really think it's going to be like eighteen million a year when it's all said and done. I mean, it could be worse, right? <laughs> could it though? I mean, that's the question. Like eighteen million a year. The players who got eighteen million this year, right, are Gary Trent. The two that come to my mind that kind of play a similar position: Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you take? Do you, would you rather have Colin Sexton or those guys? Well, that's a that's a great question because you know, and I made the actually. It's funny. I had a debate uh, during the season about Gary Trent Jr. when he absolutely lit up Colin Sexton in their matchup uh, late in the year against Toronto. And the thing is, is that what's funny about Powell and Trent Jr. is. It's not that they're necessary. Well, I guess in the case of Powell, yeah, absolutely probably is the better player. Um, uh, I'm guessing advanced stats do show that, but at least in terms of uh, let's, let's stick with Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. Doesn't he's, he's not going to be uh, a high usage on ball create, you know, he plays a three and D role. Essentially he's a three point shooter in defender. You know, that's the ideal arc. You know, that's his ideal archetype. 
And especially when you have guys like Garland and Mobley, whom you need to develop offensively as playmakers, I'd rather have Gary Trent Jr. or Norman Powell because they're both essentially the same archetype. They're they're shooters, you know? And so I think the fit is better um, with those two guys as opposed to um, Colin Sexton and his need to be on ball. So uh, while I'm not sure if you... I mean, I'm not sure if there's a clear-cut case that either of those guys are actually better than Sexton. I love the fit better, you know? So, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where the fit, I think, is what's dictating my desire to have those guys above Colin Sexton. So uh, how about you? I mean, what's your what's your take on the comparisons there? No, I, I agree. I think the fit is the, – the part – the problem that makes it hard is – Sexton puts up great stats, raw stats, and that really influences our people's decision on him as a player. Mm -hmm. And his raw stats are definitely better than Trent Jr. or Norman Powell's. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you just look at how you how NBA teams that compete are built. They aren't built with two guys that are small. Like they're built with guys who have like at least two of the three skill sets of defense, passing. Or shooting, mm-hmm. right? And to me, Colin Sexton, I think, I think, unbiased, like he's a good enough shooter. To be honest, mm-hmm. he's definitely not a good enough passer or defender, though. Mm-hmm. Passing, maybe you can give him half, but that's not two. That's one and a half then of the three skill sets you need of a guard or a wing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's tough. And Trent, you know, Trent's a shooter and plays D. He's not a playmaker either. Uh, Powell's a little bit more of a playmaker, but his defense was, you know, hit or miss. I think yeah. that's where he gets in trouble. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Powell's actually a little ironic because he's lots, he's not as big as people remember him to be. I think he's like six three at six three, six four. Yep. So, you know, he's definitely more aligned with, I think, sex, the expectation was Sexton. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And he's playing, I think he was playing the three spot. <laughs> In Portland, too, at six three six four. <laughs> yeah, he was the undersized, you know, three. Um, so that's tough. I mean, that's like, you know, that's actually where it is tough for me. Like, I would definitely give Lonzo Ball twenty million. Like, I'd rather give Lonzo Ball twenty million than Colin Sexton for sure. Yeah, but with the Norman Powell, that's where like the line gets a little murky. Which is why I think it kind of makes sense that. 18, 16 to 18 million is where I'd be okay. Like, I wouldn't be happy. Uh, but I don't think there's a number that makes me happy at all <laughs> to begin <laughs> with. So, um, but that being said, I do like Sexton. Um, I think he's a hard worker and he's a player that can contribute to a winning situation, but it's not the Cavs don't have the requisite pieces to make this a winning situation with him. If that makes sense. Like, I think. I think if there's a team with, if you could build a team around Colin Sexton, right? You would build it with like, ironically, it'd be like Ben Simmons. Um, you know, like if he played on the 76ers, that'd be a great fit because right. he could play with Cork Maz, he could play with Simmons, he could play with Embiid. And all he had to do is put his head down and score, but he could guard the smallest player on the court because Simmons, even though Simmons is the main playmaker, it's like that's, that works for the Philly, but. That doesn't work for Cleveland because Cleveland doesn't have an Embiid and Simmons, you know. So, 
Yep. That's where the, the big issue for me with Colonel Sexton is. Um, and I mean, I like the guy. I think he's a great hardworking guy. I think he's done nothing wrong. Um, he's, he's still doing nothing wrong by wanting to get paid. Every player should want to get paid for what they do and what they're, especially if they're doing everything that they're asked to do, um, yep. which is he's doing despite his limitations physically. So can't get that upset with him. Um, but at the end of the day, like in terms of fit, um, it's just not a, it's just not a good long-term fit with the Cavs. Yep. I couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. One more break. Yeah, all right, we'll take a break here, and we'll come back and wrap things up. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Um, we're going to move on to our last section here, segment of the of the day, whenever you guys listen to this. Um, the Cavs <laughs> actually play next on Friday, so, you know, one day of rest in between. Like I said, I think the Cavs had the longest break from their first and second game. Um, the Cavs actually are going to take on the Pelicans, who are 2-0 and in the Summer League led by Trey Murphy, who might potentially be the best rookie so far in the summer league. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Chris, but he had 26 points, including six three-pointers and nine rebounds against the Bulls two nights ago. And I know it just irks you because he was definitely one of your targets to trade back for late in the first round. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean – that's the thing is that there was a real opportunity missed, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Kobe missed an opportunity, in my opinion, uh, to trade back into that mid-first round. You had guys like Murphy, Duarte, uh, or Duarte, Chris Duarte, uh, the old guy um, that I think the Pacers took, yeah. um, and Corey Kispert. So, I mean, it was funny. Like, there was that section of the draft I think it was picks 13 to like 19. Uh, all the three and D guys went and Trey Murphy was possibly the best one of that set uh, to go there. So that's just killing me right now. So although uh, truth to be, you know, to be fair to Kobe and the Cavs, uh, it sounded like a lot of guys were, a lot of teams were not willing to trade <laughs> or were taxing those picks this year because of how incredible this class has been. So, you know, but, you know, oh man, I guess we're going to get to, I guess we're going to get to see it live and in person, or not in person, but live and on, in stereo. So, yeah, and he's, a, he's an interesting guy because he played at Rice, had a killer freshman year, transferred to Virginia. Begged them to register him because he's like, I'm not, I'm not ready, guys. I'm not ready. And then they're like, No, dude, you have to play. You're, you're going to be amazing. And then he has been tearing it up, you know, ever since he got there. So, um, definitely one of the late risers. I think part of that was because he's already, I think he's already 21 years old, so he's mm-hmm. a little older for the class. Mm-hmm. But definitely a player that, um, to no surprise, has been. Everything is advertised as a three and D guy uh, for the Pelicans so far, and uh, you know, similar to Point Mobley, I, I'm Chris. You got anything you want to point out or shout out as we wrap this thing up? I uh, I suck at these, uh, so I'm going to repeat myself and say, do check out the article by Nikias Duncan on uh, on Evan Mobley. It was a great article. 
Um, I completely co-sign and endorse it. I thought it was spot on as far as the observations about Mobley, what the strengths, weaknesses, what we can expect going forward, the ideas about how he's effective. And there was some great tape about Mobley included in that article. Um, Spencer Davies um, uh, as a part of that crew, actually, and he's the he's a beat writer. Uh, he's he's on the Cleveland Cavaliers beat. So um, and uh, Spencer Davies is always a guy I've in, uh, enjoyed uh, listening to um, in press conferences for the Cavs. So shout out to those guys at basketballnews.com. Shout out to uh, Spencer Davies and his uh, cohort there, Nikias Duncan. Check out that article on Evan Mobley. Uh, you'll learn something from that. Uh, you'll learn something about it. So uh, it was good basketball. For a basketball nerd, you're going to want to check that out. So that's my shout-out. How about you, Eli? What do we got here? My shout-out will be a little long. Um, so all right. believe it or not, you know, social media has its pros and cons. Uh, cons are obviously there's a lot of trolls out there. There's a lot of negativity, toxicity. Mm-hmm. But – this is actually a pro story about social media. I actually have um, joined a diehard Cleveland Cavalier chat group from Korea. And when I say diehard, these guys are wild. Like they read everything on Reddit. A lot of these guys don't speak English that well, but they all go to Google Translate. They translate articles. They said, um, they've like looked at our stuff. They've like had to copy and paste into Google, like a Google translate and some of the stuff doesn't translate. So they try to look on Reddit. Like what do these phrases mean? <laughs> like these guys are insane. And it's ironic because, um, one of the guys he, I saw that he liked one of my tweets and retweeted it and had some Korean in it. And in case you didn't know, um, today's podcast is hosted by one and a half Koreans out of two. That's right. Because um, our, our, we are, uh, Chris is actually half Korean as well. So, um, we, it's just been wild. So these guys, man, I got to give it to them. Um, Korea right now, because of daylight savings, is 13 hours ahead. Um, some of these guys are waking up at, you know, five, six in the morning to watch these summer league games. Um, there's this group chat that I got invited to with about 18 people. And I kid you not, uh, the first summer league game I woke up because um, they watched some of them recorded and watched it at night. And then they had their commentary. I woke up to like 142 messages one night, one morning. <laughs> and it's just these guys. It's like literally like four or five guys at the time just breaking down film, watching the game together like they and it just like they know every rumor they've um seen the rumors about denzel valentine possibly signing with the Cavs. like they saw the potential rumors at the draft with you know number three for shea gilgus alexander and the thunder pick like this chat is wild and um you know these guys just um you know these a lot of these guys have not been to america either which is like the other shock thing. So could you just even imagine like that to me, like the only equivalent would be like, is if we were like die hard, like Chinese, um, like table tennis fans. Right. And we like looked up cause it's like a sport that it's not used to our culture. Right. Oh, and yeah, on top right. of that, there's a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's like a cultural barrier, which is even like 
some would argue even harder than the language. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's like on top of that, like you just like, they don't know anything about you at all. Like the Cavs don't know about this. They don't like, and then there's no like Chinese table tennis player that cares about some American kids perspective in the U S right. So <laughs> just blows my mind how diehard these guys are. Um, I feel really honored. They really, they really appreciate that they have a Korean in this Cleveland uh, podcast group. And um, That's so it's just wild. I'm so, I was like so touched because these guys like wrote me, one of the guys wrote me this like long letter, how he was so thankful that I was like willing to like translate whatever he wanted for him. And oh, I was just like, dude, it's the least I can do. So I do want to say something quickly in Korean to these guys. Um, I'll just say it now. 안녕하세요. 이렇게 타이틀로즈고 the love that they've shown me and hopefully that Mobley can be an all-star player this year for Cleveland for the all-star game. So oh, man. let's, uh, let's, let's, let's hope that the Cavs, man, they can, uh, you know, not, a, not just for the Cavs in the CLE, but maybe also in South Korea play pretty well for us hey, this season. So that is awesome. Cavs and Cavs. The blog is worldwide now. We are <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Thank you for letting me go on that little rant. Um, oh, absolutely. And, uh, that is so awesome. Yeah, that is so just, cool. It's it's a great story, honestly. And these guys, I think the thing that shocked them most was um, I've been very fortunate where I've like been able to take pictures with a lot of NBA players. Um, you know, I think I've shared with the blog too. Like I've taken pictures oh, yeah. with them. Like Adam Silver is probably the one that everyone knows. Um, <laughs> taking, I've taken pictures with like Mike Conley Jr., uh, there's a picture of me and Kyrie, picture of me touching LeBron's hand from like the stands. And I remember I just sent over the Adam Silver picture and these guys were just like loving they it. They were putting, they were making memes <laughs> and stuff about it. So I'm just like, <laughs> so, you know, um, and I hope that one day some of these guys can come over to the States. We'd love to take them out to Cavs game. But, uh, oh man, some Bogoldi yeah, just, too. Yeah. <laughs> such a such a such a small world that we live in and really glad that i was able to connect with this group oh that's fantastic that is so cool that, that, that's heartwarming honestly man that, that's heartwarming shit right there oh, yeah. well all right i think that you know wraps it up with our Cavs, the podcast for this session um thank you for listening you know we're still part of this new venture with uh minute media so please you know forgive these little advertisements here and there but hopefully we, we i think we figured out the issue of why our ads were in french <laughs> because we're such close proximity to canada that's uh, allegedly that's why they got picked up but really appreciate all the listeners thank you so much and as always go Cavs. go Cavs. thank you for listening to Cavs the blogs podcast check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger We're out.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.